Actor Michael Douglas once played a wealthy, unscrupulous corporate raider named Gordon Gecko in the acclaimed Hollywood movie Wall Street and won the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. His character is famous for saying, Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. In the late 1980s, Gordon Gecko made greed cool, acceptable, natural, and even necessary. But was Gordon Gecko right? Is greed good? And if yes, did Gecko know something Jesus did not? Jesus spoke these words to two brothers embroiled in a dispute about money. Take care, he said, and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. In Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, King Solomon writes, He who loves money never has money enough. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, consider the negative impact of greed. It can divide churches, destroy families, and deeply impact your fellowship with God. Today, Ron tells us how we can defeat this deadly sin as he wraps up his teaching series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Stay right here or listen on demand from our website, somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Defeating Greed. If I could put some words in the mouth of Mr. T, he might say, I pity uh, the rich fool who's not rich toward God. I pity the poor fool who's not rich toward God. I always say you need two portfolios in life. You need an eternal portfolio and you need an earthly portfolio. The earthly portfolio made up of legitimate savings and investments. Watch that line that you cross over from savings to hoarding. How much is enough? I mean, really, how much is enough? And it's not about your personal security, as we'll find out in a moment. Your faith is in the Lord. But you need that earthly portfolio. You need an eternal portfolio. Jesus said it in a parallel passage, Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust um, uh, do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. Your earthly portfolio, your eternal portfolio. Uh, you need both of those. Well, so much for greed and the warnings of Scripture against it and the story that Jesus told here. What are some ways for us to defeat greed? That's what we're talking about in this series, aren't we? Uh, overcoming the deadly sins that drag you down. We want to live an undefeated life over pride, anger, lust, laziness, gluttony, envy, and yes, now greed. How do we defeat greed? Well, I think the best way to answer that question is just to stay in the text here because Jesus continues on. In fact, it says in Luke 12 and verse 22, and he said to his disciples, now he's done with the two brothers. Maybe they're there within earshot of him, but he's already thumped them in the chest by the telling of the story and basically called them greedy fools. <laughs> but now he takes the time to turn to his disciples and deepen the teaching. 
And from this, I just want to mention three quick ways to defeat uh, greed. Number one is don't worry. Jesus goes on to say, therefore, I tell you, and keep in mind that therefore is connected to the previous story. So there's a connection here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies. Now he moves from birds to flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these but if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Now underline that, mark that. We'll come back to that in a moment. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your Father knows that you need them. Now, as good Bible students, we want to read the story and this teaching that follows and ask an obvious question. What is the connection between greed, worry, and faith? I think I can see the connection between worry and faith. You know, they're, they're polar opposites. Your heart can't be full of worry about, you know, just the basic necessities of life and still be a person of faith. I get that. But what's the connection between the story about this greedy rich fool and worry and faith. And I, I think the connection is, is that greed, again, that predatory desire to get more stuff, I've just got to have more, you're greedy for it, that greed might be an indication of a lack of faith in your life. And when the stuff doesn't come, you get worried, or when economic changes, like the one we're in the midst of right now, you know, fall upon us, the worry the greed, the lack of faith, it's a, it's a spiritual stew, that pot of stew that you don't want to eat from. And Jesus is saying to us, don't worry about these things. Don't let greed get the best of you to where you just constantly worry about getting more and more and more. Oh, you have little faith. Ooh, that one hurts, doesn't it? When he points to us or to the disciples and says that greed and that worry in your heart is an indication of a lack of faith. Secondly, put God first in your finances. How do you deal with this, this matter of greed? How do you defeat it? Well, Jesus said in verse 31, but, and this is after his conversation about worry, he says, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. The parallel passage in Matthew chapter 6 broadens it a little bit and says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? All the things you worry about? The basic necessities of life? The things that the birds of the air and the flowers of the field don't ever worry about. You ever see a flower worry about whether there's going to be rain? You ever see a bird worry about where his next meal comes from? 
And he, and he says, you're of much more value to the Father than that. So why are you worrying? Worrying is a foolish thing to do. Faith is the wise thing to do. And the way we, we, we sort of, you know, knock greed out at the knees, the way we take it out, the way we defeat greed is you put God first in your finances. That means when the paycheck comes in, I used to say the first check that I write, now it's the first uh, electronic transfer or, you know, donation I make, is to God. I've learned to put him first, to prioritize him first in my finances. And I can say this with great conviction and great boldness uh, because it, it's, it's linked to the promises of God and I have decades and decades of experience of the Lord never, ever letting me down. He's promised to provide all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You may not be able to add it up, but he can with a whole lot more. And he knows where to provide at just the right time. But you got to put him first. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry, which means we depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give this month, we have an important resource to share with you. Here's Ron with more. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. And Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience and what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, my relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. 
So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now, let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Greed. One of the ways you defeat greed is through the reprioritization of your financial plan. And you put God right up there at the top. Give to God first. That's your eternal portfolio. Pay yourself second. That's your earthly portfolio. Then you live off the rest, okay? And you adjust your standard of living that way. Finally, number three, just live generously. And I think this is part of what Jesus is saying as he finishes up this teaching in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I love this verse. First, I love the tenderness of it. Remember, he's teaching his disciples here at this point. He calls them a little flock. There's the tenderness of the good shepherd who doesn't want something from his sheep but wants something for them. He says, don't fear. Don't be full of fear but be full of faith. And here's what you need to understand. As I'm about to ask you to give, know that the Father has given to you the kingdom. Let that sink in for a minute, friends. Our Heavenly Father is so generous. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and He's given to us the kingdom. I don't know the full extent of what that means, but I know this. The Bible says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. I know that the kingdom of God that is to come in the next life you can't accumulate enough in this world to even begin to compare to the kingdom of heaven. And the Father has generously given it to us. He goes on to say, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. <laughs> I mean, in light of what God has given to us, freely give. I mean, what a radically generous idea here. Don't worry. Prioritize me first. Know that I've blessed you. I've given you more than you could possibly imagine in this life and the life to come. Sell generously, he says, your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Circle that word, them, yourselves. Do this for yourself. You are laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. I call it sanctified self-interest. Some people will get to heaven, and they've sent so much ahead. They're like, wow, didn't know I had that much in my 401K, my heavenly 401K. And the dividend reinvestment program, whoo, it's really out of this world. Jesus said, do this for yourself. Don't worry so much and fret so much over the... Things of this life that you never lay up for yourselves, a treasure in heaven. Some are going to get to heaven and they go, I didn't even know I had a 401k account up there. Didn't put anything into it. 
it'll still be heaven, but some people's experience will be even more heavenly because they took Jesus at his word here. Then he goes on to say, verse 34, for where your treasure is, by the way, where is it? Is more of it here on this earth or in heaven? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, that's what he's getting after, your heart. You see, Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he ever did about heaven and hell. You can read the four Gospels, add up the verses. By a long shot, he talked about money. Why? Not because he wants something from you. He didn't need your money. It's his to belong uh, to begin with, right? Right? <laughs> it's his to, to begin with. But he's entrusted some of his wealth to you and to me, and that, certainly that's different amounts, and it's a test. It's a test to see what we'll do with it. It's a test of faith to see if we'll put God first, whether we'll lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, whether we're wise enough to do that. And he says it's a test of where your heart really is. And that's really what he wants. He wants our heart. He, he, he says you can't serve God and money. There's only room for, for one throne in your heart, and you're going to have to decide which one. And what I'm suggesting is a way to defeat greed and the materialism, that, that, that pull of materialism in our world today. It's just, you know, don't worry. God will take care of you. Put God first in your finances. Live generously and continue to grow in the grace of giving year after year after year. Maybe you're one of those uh, people in church, you've, you've reached a comfortable place in your giving and God is saying, stretch. What's, what's the next lap of faith you're going to take? You grow in the grace of giving. Are you more generous this year than you were last year? Some of you are saying, well, when I, when I get a lot of money, I'll be generous. No, you won't if you're not with a little bit of money. To whom much has been given, much is required. But if you're not little with a, um, uh, generous with a little, you won't be generous with a lot. You'll figure out some other way to spend it. But I have found, and Catherine and I have found, when you get to that place where God is first in your finances, and he can't be first in your finances when he's last in your budget. Doesn't work that way. You gotta, you gotta push that giving to the top of the budget. It's the first thing you do. And all, everything else falls into place. Forward is a wonderful time to practice these. That's all it is. Is, is practice and generosity. And we have some missional things we're going to, you know, fulfill as a result of it. But it is, a, it is a giant opportunity for our church family to step forward in faith in an area and at a time when it just seems impossible to do. So I'm going to encourage you with that today. Uh, to be the overcomers that God has made us to be, to sing, oh, victory in Jesus, not because we're trying harder to defeat pride, anger, lust, laziness, gluttony, envy, and yes, even greed. It's not about trying harder. You try to live the Christian life that way, you'll fail every time. It's not about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It, it's about placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit he has placed inside of you and learning to walk by the Spirit and live by the Spirit and draw upon the enabling resources of the Spirit of God to live this thing called the Christian life successfully 
and live an undefeated life when it comes to pride, anger, lust, laziness, gluttony, envy, and greed. We said at the end of this time we wanted to go 7 and 0. And I hope that we have. You at least have a strategy for how to defeat all of these, including greed, as we talked about today. Watch out, Jesus says. Be on guard against all forms of greed, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your life is not defined, and my life is not defined by the stuff we have. Our identity is in Christ, and who we are is defined by the kingdom that the Father has already given to us. Let's set our affections on that, on things above, and not on things on this earth. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Greed. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me. Ron, you've covered a lot of ground in this series on the seven deadly sins. And as we put a bow on this group of messages, do you have any final thoughts to share with us, either about today's message or about the series as a whole? I sure do, Brian. I want to reemphasize something I've mentioned during the past two weeks. Each of these deadly sins is a gateway sin. And what I mean by that is, for example, lust in your heart can lead to actual adultery. Anger in your heart can lead to actual murder. Laziness can lead to poverty, which in turn can lead to any number of other things depending on how desperate a person becomes. Greed, the subject of today's message, and the last of the deadly sins can severely and adversely affect your family as well as your relationship with God. Greed replaces faith with an unhealthy fear of not having enough, uh, leaving the greedy person wanting more no matter how much they have. It also causes us to replace wants for needs, which is a dangerous mindset in its own right. So all of these sins are deadly, at least in part, because of what they may lead to, which is why God takes a preemptive strike by encouraging us to defeat these sins before they lead to something worse. Now, Brian, today I said the way to overcome greed is to stop worrying, to put God first in your finances, and to live generously. And all of that is true. But let me close with this. The greatest virtue that we have is one that can help us overcome all seven of these vices, and that's humility. It is the foundation of all other methods for defeating the seven deadly sins. A humble person will be a generous person. A humble person will rely on faith in God, not fear or worry. So humility is not merely the antidote for pride. In many ways, it is the antidote for all sin. Humble yourself before the Lord, the scripture says. Trust in him and not yourself. Uh, there are many practical steps we can take to improve our relationship with God and with others, but humility is perhaps the principle behind all of them. That's Dr. Ron Jones with his parting shot from his series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Well, Ron, what can you tell us about tomorrow's message as you launch your next teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than? Well, Brian, I'm really looking forward to diving into this next series. You know, the book of Colossians is one of four epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote while under house arrest in Rome. 
Now, Paul didn't plant this church. To the best of our knowledge, it was one of Paul's students, Epaphras, who launched this church. But nevertheless, Paul felt compelled to write to the church in Colossae because, well, some false teaching had cropped up teaching that diminished the person and work of Jesus Christ. Over the next few weeks, I'll go into some detail about this false teaching, this Colossian heresy, as it is called, how Paul responded to it, and how it applies to us today. The theme for this series from the book of Colossians is very simple. Jesus is greater than. He's greater than anything the false teachers said about him and greater than anything we could possibly imagine about our Savior. That series kicks off tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.